This talk was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church, as part of the 2022 Summer Training Project. For more information on Summer Training Project or Campus Outreach Minneapolis, visit cominneapolis.org. All right, so today we're going to start in Romans 8. So why don't you guys open your Bibles to Romans 8. You don't know where it is. It comes after Romans seven. Thank you. All right, Romans eight. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending His own Son. In the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children and heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, 
for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Father, your word is beautiful. And I pray that you would use today to challenge students and staff to memorize your word, to store it up in their heart as a treasure, so that when hard things happen, they would have a response from the treasure that they have in their heart, from your word. So I pray that you would do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I, remember, I memorized that a few years ago. Um, when I was, after I graduated from college, as soon as I got married, and um, like three or four years in, I was a consultant, and I was working, it was during the summertime, June and July, I was working 12-hour shifts for six days a week. So I would work like 11 to 11, and the next week I'd work six to six, and it was, it was just straight. And so I was exhausted, I didn't have time to open my Bible and read it, and so I decided while I was on my way to work, that I would, I would memorize Romans 8. And um, I want to throw that out to you guys. I think um, you could hear me recite that and think like, okay, well, yeah, he's a super Christian. You know, I'm, I am a professional Christian in, as part of my job, right? So you're like, well, that's what he does because he's on staff. And what I'm saying is I didn't do it when I was on staff. And it's not because I'm a super Christian. It's because there's been people in my life who have shown me what it means to memorize scripture and have shown me the value of it. And I want the same thing for you. And here's a good example. Justine has a great uncle. His name's Uncle Eddie. I've actually never met the man, but um, my in-laws live on a lake, and he, it's a big lake, and he trolled the lake a lot for fishing, and so they'll be like, oh, there's Uncle Eddie on his boat. I have no idea what he looks like to this day, but Uncle Eddie's on the boat. I've seen him on the boat. But Uncle Eddie um, is like 85 or 86 now, and he uh, used to be an avid runner. Um, he started running when he was like 45 and really got into it. He ran several marathons, ran a ton of 5Ks. And recently, um, my mother-in-law asked him um, if he's still running. And he said, no, I've, he's like, I'm not running that much anymore because, you know, I'm just, I'm like 86. And so it's just hard for me to do the same thing. I'll never run a marathon again. So 
So he just runs five to seven miles a day. That's it. You know, as an 86-year-old, five to seven miles, it's, it's fine. And you'd think, like, okay, man, this, this guy is crazy intense. But when he started, he was 45 years old, he was overweight, and he thought, I want to lose weight. So in front of his house, there was a telephone pole. And he said, I'm going to run to the telephone pole today. He ran to the telephone pole, he came back. The next day, he said, I'm going to run 10 feet further than the telephone pole. And he kept doing that over and over again. To the point where he started running marathons, and now he's 86 years old and he runs five to seven miles a day. So my point is that memorization is not for super Christians. I deeply desire that you guys would take memorization seriously. Because in my life, there is no discipline that I have committed myself to that has benefited me more than memorizing scripture. I strongly desire that you guys would take this seriously. And all it takes is for you just to do it incrementally, a little bit at a time. Before we get to the practical, though, I want to convince you just how beneficial it is. So, um, let me pull this up. All right, Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. So what I want to point out to you is this. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. Why? Because his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. And what I believe is that the delight leads him to meditate, and his meditation leads him to delight. So... Uh, we see that those who are not sinful delight in the law of the Lord. There's another verse, Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now I want to take a deep dive into Colossians 3.16. So we're going to ask three questions. One, why the command? Why would we want the word of Christ to be dwelling in us richly? Secondly, how can the word of Christ dwell in us? And thirdly, how can the word of Christ dwell in us richly? Why the command? How can the word of Christ dwell in us? And third, how can the word of Christ dwell in us richly? So first, why the command? Um, because what we set our minds on affects our being and our doing. What you set your mind on, what you think about, is going to affect what you do in your life and how you feel in general. So Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So there's three things here, okay? First is this. Uh, if we renew our minds, we will be transformed. If we renew our minds, we will be transformed. Um, I don't know Greek, but I do know the Greek word for transform is metamorpho which sounds a whole lot of like metamorphosis, <laughs> which is what you get from a butterfly, right? A caterpillar literally turns into a different creature, a butterfly, gets wings, can fly around. Slowest creature, now can fly around and be fluttery because he transformed. If you renew your minds, you will be transformed. But if you don't renew your minds, you will conform. So we live in a culture right now that um, there is so much opportunity for consumption. 
consuming things. Every single one of us is guilty of this. On our phones, you name it. My thing is ESPN, okay? But some of you, it's TikTok. Some of you, it's Instagram. Some of you, it's Twitter. Some of you, it's podcasts. Whatever it is, there is so much opportunity for consumption in our society. And I'm not saying that all of the consumption is bad, but what I am saying is if that consumption is outpacing the word in your mind, then you are going to conform to whatever you are consuming. You are what you eat in a very real, in a very real sense. You are what you eat. Spiritually, that's true as well. You're, so the world would kind of say like, your mind is like a swimming pool. And you just want to fill it with what you want, and that's going to make you happy. If you can just fill your mind with things that are really exciting to you, that's what's going to make you happy. And, but that's not how God has created your mind. God has created your mind more like a factory that has a specific purpose. And imagine like filling a factory with water. Nothing would work, right? But that's, that's kind of what we do. Or uh, how many people have been to Duck Donuts? Yep, yep, okay. So if at Duck Donuts, a donut came out and it was charred crispy at the end, what would we say? Something's wrong with the factory, right? Something needs to change with the factory. Either the, the oil is too hot or something. But we could say, well, you know, listen, every donut can be its own donut, all right? And that donut is a crispy donut, and it's fine. That's fine, but Doug Donuts is going to be around very long if they're cranking out a bunch of crispy donuts, right? We want donuts that are made correctly. And your mind has a specific purpose. Your mind is not a pool. It's more like a factory. And God has made every single one of you to be good thinkers. If you don't think you're very intelligent, I want to push back on that and say, this isn't a preference thing. This is not a personality thing. Every single one of you, God has created to be good thinkers, critical thinkers. And our culture is telling you to consume. And what I'm saying, don't consume, use your mind. Think critically about the content that you're taking in. And that's what the, that's what the Bible is going to help you with. If you do not renew your mind, you're going to be conformed. And then thirdly, it says that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Knowing the will of God leads to living for God. If you do not know what the Lord wants for you, you cannot live for him. The Bible is like a love letter. It is not a mathematical equation. You need to know it. So here's an example. Oh, wait, hold on. So what we, in summary, what we think affects who we are, we're transformed, and what we do, that by testing you may discern, okay? So for an example, this is what our culture is saying. You like my stick figure with the heart? Pretty cute, isn't it? Um, all right. So our culture says this. What you feel in your heart, the things that you get most excited about, should impact what you do with your life and what you think about. That's what our culture is saying. And the Bible is saying that is wrong. 100% wrong. The Bible, by and large, gives an example that says what we set our minds on should transfer into our hearts. What we set our minds on should be... Um, should be the Bible. But if it's not, it's going to be whatever we're consuming, and it's going to impact our heart. And then, what's in our heart is going to affect what we do. Now, this is, I, I know this is simplistic. I know it's complex, but you get the gist. In general, the Bible is saying what we set our minds on is going to affect our heart, and it's going to lead to what we do, okay? Pretty cute little stick figures, isn't it? Um, all right. In First Peter... We see this. Therefore, preparing your minds for action 
and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What would be a good way to do that? If you knew scripture in your head, then you'd be able to set your hope fully in moments, right? Um, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. The thinking is going to lead to you doing what Christ wants you to do. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Think. Use your mind. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Okay? So all of us should be using our minds. We're all tracking with that, right? Now, how can the word of Christ dwell in us? Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. How can the word of Christ dwell in us? First is memorize it. Now, I could get in trouble here because there is no command in the Bible that actually says memorize the Bible. It doesn't say that. But what we see throughout all of history is that people in the Bible and people after the Bible have memorized Scripture. It's always been a habit of the church that we memorize the Bible. Um, Psalm 119.9 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. And how am I not going to wander from your commandments? Verse 11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. If you don't want to sin, know the Bible. Memorize it. And prioritize it. Do you consider the Bible more important than the food that you eat in the morning? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not, right? But um, just in the same way that your body physically needs food in order to be able to survive, your mind needs the Bible. You need to constantly be renewing your mind. If you don't, you will be starving yourself spiritually. So you need to prioritize it. Um, This verse right here, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, um, if you decide that you want to prioritize the Bible, your heart will fall. And it's going to show where your heart really is. Is that what what you want for your life? Do you want the Bible to be of, of great priority to you? Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So memorize it. And in order to memorize it, you need to prioritize it. Lastly, how can the word of Christ dwell in us richly? First, we talked about this the first week. Submit to the Bible. Submit to it. Even if you disagree with something in the Bible, lean on the Bible's probably right and I'm wrong. Submit to it. It looks like staking your lives on its truth. Like Colossians 3 says, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Galatians 2.20, which we're going to memorize today, says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. If you submit to the Bible, what you're saying is, my life is not my own. It is the Lord's. And so whatever the Lord has for me, That is what I will do. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Okay? 
Um, so we submit to it. Now, this comes through the Spirit. And so if you're like, well, I don't know if I, if I can submit to it, pray. And secondly, recall it. So when I was in high school, I went on a missions trip to Canada, and we went to um, Vancouver, which is just right on the, the West Coast, and then there's an island called Victoria Island. And on Victoria Island, there were several Native American tribes. And so we were going to go to the Native American tribe and, and help them with a few things. But before we did that, we had training in Vancouver, and there was this worship group that was awesome. I went to Bethel, thought Vespers was great. I thought this worship group in, in Vancouver was like the best worship group I've ever seen. But I also was in 10th grade, so I mean, take it with a grain of salt. But um, I really enjoyed them. They were awesome. I mean, there was a guy who was playing bass guitar, and every once in a while he pulled like, like a cello you know, things like on the boat. It was, it was, it was mad times. Um, but when I was there, there was a specific time when, and we did so much singing when we were, when we were in Vancouver, but there was, there was a, a time when we were singing and I was not feeling it at all. And I was like, why am I not feeling it? Like I should, like, it feels like the, the pinnacle of being a Christian is for me to have this euphoric experience where like God hits me like a lightning bolt and all of a sudden I'm like in his presence and I'm enraptured by it. And I was like, why am I not feeling it? I feel like I should be. And then I feel like I'm in sin because I'm not feeling it. So I just sat down and I had been reading the Psalms at the time. And the next Psalm in the list that I was singing was Psalm 42. And Psalm 42 says, why are you cast down on my soul? And why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I shall again praise him. My salvation and my God. And it struck me that... Regardless of how I feel, God's still the same God that he's always been. He's the same God yesterday, same God today, same God forever that he's always been. He's always deserving of worship. Even if I'm not feeling it, he's still worthy of my praise. So if I'm not feeling it, I can still say, God, you are worthy. You are worthy. And I don't feel the right things about you, but you are worthy of, of praise. So that was one thing that, that struck me. But the second thing was, I was not feeling it because of this worship set. But then I sat down and read my Bible and that caused my heart to want to worship God. Simply by reading the Bible, out from my heart came, God is worthy of worship. So it just struck me, the Bible really is magical. We're not dealing with just words on a page. We're dealing with something that is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. It's really magical. I am losing my connection here. Um, uh, not with you guys, I hope. Uh, <laughs> with, with this. Um, here, why don't you, wait, no, don't go, don't go yet, don't go, um, great, here, here's the other, here's the other story, and, um, this I, I don't share flippantly, um, when, um, when I was memorizing Romans 8, I got to verse 17, which says, um, we are heirs of Christ, heirs with Christ, um, provided that we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. And verse 18 says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. When I was memorizing that, I had memorized verse 17. Justine was pregnant with our first child, and we went in for the ultrasound at 23 weeks, and the, the doctor said, you have twins. 
and neither has heartbeat. And um, the very first thought that popped in my head was Psalm 16. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good thought from you. And at the end of Psalm 16, it says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. In your right hand there, there are pleasures forevermore. You will not abandon my soul to Sheol. That's what Psalm 16 says. And um, that was recurring on my mind as we, the next day, had to wait to be admitted to the hospital so that we could deliver our baby girls. And then as we delivered them, and um, Psalm 139, I memorized during that time, Psalm 139 says, If I were to take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, where no one knew, even there your hand would lead me, and your right hand would hold me. If I were to say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light as you. Why? Because he formed my inward parts, just like my little girls. He formed my inward parts. He is a God of love. It's such a beautiful song because it's saying that not only does he understand darkness because in the womb it's dark and he and he knit each one of us together, but he is also saying that he did it out of love. He is not going to abandon us because he is the loving creator who wanted to create us, who knit us together. It's so beautiful. Memorization has been the thing that has helped me in my life in moments of deepest sorrow. A couple years later, um, my sister-in-law was diagnosed with brain cancer. And um, doctors told her that if 100 people had this, in six months, 50 would have passed, and within a year, all of them would have passed. So in 2017, when I was on project, I left early because we found that out. And we thought we had a year left with her. And today she's alive. By the grace of God, she's alive. Um, but the effects of chemo and radiation have had um, serious impacts on her. But my brother recently said, everything the Bible says about Jesus is true. After five years of all they've had to go through, every word that the Bible says about Jesus is true. It is worth storing it in your heart because ESPN will not help me when life hurts. Neither will TikTok or Instagram. And I promise you, you will suffer. But the beautiful thing is that we have a God who wants to be with us. He will be with us. And the way he has primarily given himself to us is in a book. He didn't flippantly write a book. This is a treasure for us to have. And we can put it in our hearts and have it for all of eternity. Flesh will fail, but the word of God will endure forever. So, um, let me end this way. I Memorization has helped me so much. I, I just want to list off. Don't write these down. Okay, just listen. Um, I'm going to go fast. I, um, I want to list off nine ways that I've seen personally that memorization has benefited me. So this is just Zaxon's list, okay? First, memorizing scripture has given me the ability 
to meditate and chew on scripture when there's no Bible present. Um, Isaiah 26.3 says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Why does he trust in you? Because his mind is stayed on you. Put the Bible in your mind. Number two, memorizing scripture has consistently increased my faith in the gospel because faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. And when I hear scripture in my mind, my heart believes the gospel more clearly. That's why I love Romans 8. It's just victory. It's victory that God has done. Three, memorizing scripture awakens me to the reality of God's existence and presence and helps me face the day for what it is rather than what I want it to be because my access to it is as instantaneous as my phone. And here's what I mean. I'm just going back to the pool analogy. I find that in a moment when I'm struggling, I feel anxious, I pull up my phone and I'm wanting to go to ESPN and distract myself or I want to read a book or something like that. And the Bible allows me to be able to deal with difficult things in life, be able to stay present and deal with things and feel anxious knowing that my Lord's with me. That's what the Bible does. Four, memorized scripture helps me to deal with negative emotions rightly. So it has led me, when I feel guilty, to confessing sin that I don't want to share. James 5 says, confess sins to one another. Psalm 36, I showed this with you guys the first week, says, transgression speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes, for he flatters himself in his own eyes that his iniquity can't be found out hated. And I find, because of my arrogance, I don't want to share. I don't want to confess my sin with other people because I want to look good. I always want to be looking good. And that psalm has convicted me to the core that I always need to be confessing my sin because I do not want to be a wicked man. I learned that from the Bible. It has made me a more forgiving person to other people. As I read scripture, like 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. And when I have been hurt, I do not revile in return. I don't want to do that. Ephesians 4 says, As Christ has forgiven you, so you forgive others. The Bible has helped me to forgive other people. It is helping me with my anxiety. Philippians 4 says, um, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Also, something I'm presently, just I think because I have young kids and money is tight with young kids, um, Philippians 4.21 says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That's one that is good for me just about every day. Um, five, reciting scripture I have memorized almost always turns from recitation into prayer. As I'm reciting scripture, I find myself wanting to worship God. And inversely, some of my sweetest times in prayer have been when I have been reciting scripture to the Lord. Seven, moreover, songs become sweeter to me when I know how the words line up with the Bible. And that's actually, in Colossians 3.16, you'll see one of the ways that he lays out for the word of Christ to dwell in you richly is to sing songs to one another. And as I see how those songs line up with the Bible, it just increases my worship. When there is a worship song that doesn't really line up with the Bible, it's hard to want to worship. When you know, that's where they got that. It's in the Bible. I see it. It increases your worship. Eight, memorizing scripture I've memorized has led me to understand the passages that I'm studying better. So if you want to know what the Bible says and understand how it's connected to one another, just memorize scripture. For instance, um, when, um, when my sister-in-law got cancer, I memorized Psalm 23, 
Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You make me lie down in green pastures. He, lead, he leads me, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And then it says, He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Okay, so we're talking about paths of righteousness. But then in verse 4, we switch to, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And as I memorized that, I realized it's the same thing. The paths of righteousness that God has for us sometimes are walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And I realized that just as I was as I was meditating on it. If you go to the end of it, it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. When? When when I'm in green pastures? Or all the days, even when I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. It is so comforting when you're dealing with something in your life that is so difficult that you do not have the capacity to deal with it, to know that you are not alone. And it is okay to be broken because he is not going to allow you to break beyond repair. He is holding us. Goodness and mercy follow us all the days of our life. Memorizing scripture has helped me to understand the passages better. And finally, scripture that I've memorized has been the anchor to my soul in the hardest, most tragic moments in my life. So, this whole talk that I've given, I'm hoping is paired with the two talks that I gave before about the Bible. And what I really want is for you guys to take the Bible seriously. This Bible is magical. It is worth investing in. It is worth putting in your mind and, and doing hard work of memorizing because it will be an anchor for your soul in a way that nothing else in this world that you consume can be. It is so good. You can stake your life on this book. It's worth it. Let me pray. Father, I pray that you would help students and staff and me to take your word seriously. I pray that we would be men and women who um, have the word in our mind. Your word, as Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And I pray that we would believe that. This wouldn't just be a, a Sunday school thing or something we learned at camp, but we would feel that reality. We need the word to be able to go through life as a Christian. I pray that you would do that. I pray that you would help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the 2022 Summer Training Project hosted by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church. Please feel free to share this message with others, but please don't charge, edit, or alter the content in any way without the written permission of Campus Outreach Minneapolis.